0: Welcome to Reimagining Atlantis. My name's Tori, and I'll be your host. Hello, my friends. Welcome back. I'm sure that you have noticed that the intro music changed. Anchor must recycle their transition music every so often. Maybe they think you need a different sound. I'm not very good with change, so if this bothers you as much as it bothered me, no you're not alone. If it doesn't bother you, how do you do it? I guess we'll just have to roll with these punches and accept that the intro music and transitions will change and just be different from time to time. The new job is going great. I love the people I work with and I think that working on Atlantis during my commute is just the icing on the cake. I hope everyone is doing well, and that each week is better than the last. I have some ideas for five more episodes, but I'm starting to feel the pinch for material. I would love if you let me know what you want me to dig into a bit more. I restarted Donnelly's Atlantis The Antidiluvian World again and I feel a bit embarrassed listening to it at work. I'm scared that someone will walk into my office and hear Donnelly's four main races and how the black people are not one of main proto-european godly races. How do I begin to explain that I'm doing research and that his views don't align with mine? That'd be pretty awkward. This episode, I thought I would share with you a nugget I found about three years back while visiting Nashville, Tennessee. This is where I went to visit the replica Parthenon and was trapped in a hotel with little to do. Fun fact Parthen means virgin, and so Parthenon means place of the virgins. I most certainly committed sacrilege by visiting. Maybe the replica doesn't count. And but only be disrespecting the original building when I go visit. I should preemptively sacrifice a bowl or two, just to ensure the safety of Athens. Michael Hubner was a German researcher who presented in the 2008 Atlantis Conference in Athens. He gathered and organized a range of geographical details and other clues contained in Plato's text, which he maintained led directly to Morocco. Hubner also published a number of video clips on his website in support of his theory. He begins with a lucid demonstration of a hierarchical constraint satisfaction approach to solving the mystery. So it's going to be more mathematical. These clips offer a body of evidence which are perhaps the most impressive that I've encountered in the course of many years of research. Tragically, Michael Hubner died in December of 2013 as a result of a recycling accident. He left a valuable contribution to the Atlantis studies. Mark Adams met Hubner shortly before his death, so in March 2015, when Adams' book Meet Me in Atlantis was published, the ensuing media attention probably gave Hubner's theories more publicity than when he was alive. I've also linked a paper to Michael Hubner's work in my episode description. Michael Hubner was a software developer and Atlantis researcher from Bonn, Germany. Incidentally, he was a man after my own heart. He devoted much of his time to the Atlantis localization problem. To solve the puzzle of Plato's Atlantis, he created a formal method, which he named the Geographical Hierarchical Constraint Satisfaction, or GHCS. This method and his tireless imperial work led to the Seuss-Massa location hypothesis, and subsequently to many exciting discoveries. Tragically, he died in a traffic accident in 2013, shortly before his research gained any worldwide attention. In 2008, during the Atlantis Conference in Athens, Hubner presented his argument for placing Atlantis in Northwest Africa by the massa Plain in Morocco. He gathered and organized a range of geographical details and clues contained in Plato's text, which he maintained led directly to Morocco. His paper breaks down different clues, such as geographical constraints. He included geographically every accessible area to Alexander the Great, and remember He was alive around 356 BCE to 323 BCE and Alexander was believed to have been the most traveled in ancient Greece. Alexander had Aristotle as a mentor who was in turn was a student of Plato. Alexander the Great was born four years after Plato wrote about Atlantis So, here are some of Huebner's set parameters for where Atlantis could be located geographically. Geographical constraint number 1. Atlantis should be located within a reasonable range of Athens. 2. Atlantis should be located close to a sea or ocean. 3. Atlantis should be located close to a sea ocean which is in relation to the Mediterranean and connected by a strait within the Mediterranean. 4. Atlantis should be located west of Tyrrhenia in Egypt. 5. Atlantis should be located where elephants lived. 6. Atlantis's main plain should be located close to and south of high mountains. 7. Atlantis should not be located in ancient Europe or Asia. 8. Atlantis should be routinely reachable from Athens. So based on those geographical constraints, Kubner states that the most probable region for Atlantis is in northwestern Africa in today's Morocco. All global indications apply. More precisely, the core region of Atlantis should be located in southern Morocco, south of the High Atlas, at the Atlantic Ocean, or close to the so called Sous Mesa Plain. Next, Kubner had regional constraints as Plato had some named areas. So Hubner quotes Plato in the following, For in front of the mouth, which you Greeks call, as you say, the Pillars of Heracles, there lay an island. Now, first of all, we must recall the fact that 9,000 is the sum of years since the war occurred, as is recorded between the dwellers beyond the Pillars of Heracles and all that dwelt within them and all of them he gave names, giving him was the eldest and the king, and to all of them he gave names, giving to him that was the eldest and the king the name after which the whole island was called and the sea spoken of as the Atlantic, because the first king who then reigned had the name of Atlas. I think the only geographical constraint that I would add would be that Atlantis needs to be on a fault line. Hubner's geographical constraints aligns well with what we've already read from Plato and Crewe. Next, we're going to go over Hubner's regional constraints. This means that it's located within the hypothesized Seuss Mesa Plain. There should be other identifiable characteristics, such as 1. Atlantis should be located beyond the quote-unquote pillars of Heracles at the quote-unquote Atlantic. 2. Atlantis should be an island. 3. The main plain of Atlantis should be encircled by mountains. 4. There should be red, white, and black bedrock. 5. There should be docks cut into the native red, white, and black bedrock. 6. There have been buildings made from colored stones. 7. There should have been weaving stone laying patterns. 8. There should have been northerly winds. 9. There should be shelter from northerly winds. 10. There should be buried ore or metal deposits. 11. There should have been earthquakes and hot and cold springs. 12. There should have been horses. 13. There should have been a region named after Gadrios. 14. There should be streams from the mountains. 15. There should be a trench parallel to the shore. 16. There should have been a region named after Gadrios. 16. There should be enough space and food for a large population. 17. There should have been architecture, which is integrated into the native rock, of the coast. 18. There should have been diverse agricultural products. 19. The Atlanteans had blue clothes. 20. The Atlanteans sacrificed bowls. 21. Concentric circles may have had a religious magical connotation for Atlanteans. 22. Odd and even numbers may have had religious magic connotation for the Atlanteans. 23 there should be the remains of large trenches. So, Hubiter makes note that the term Aesos, which was used by Plato to describe Atlantis, as an island. He makes note that it doesn't necessarily mean it's an island, which is completely surrounded by water. It is a known fact that the term Aesos was used for peninsulas. Example, the Peloponnese means island of Pelops. Hubner made six expeditions to the region of the Mesa Plain in April 2007, May and September of 2008, May of 2010, November of 2011, and May of 2012. Hubner notes that the northwestern parts of the Maghrib, which are called Deserat el Maghrib, which translate to island of the west by ancient medieval Arabic merchants. They use the term because the whole region lies isolated by the Atlas Mountains, the Sahara, the Mediterranean, and the Atlantic Ocean. Hubner notes that Morocco has very rich ore deposits, iron and lead, copper, zinc, tin, silver, gold, antimony, manganese, nickel, and cobalt. All metals mentioned by Plato are present in the region with the exception of the currently undefined arcalcum. Hübner notes that there are red, white, and black native marble stones within the area as well as the presence of a plain that is still called to this day a plain. There are cave-like harbors chiseled from stone that are covered, allowing for one to walk on top of them. There are several stone pits where redstone is quarried on the Susmasa plain, but particularly near Agalu, where red, white, and black stone marble is quarried. These different colored stones lay side by side and the colors are clearly red, white, and black. The colors are evenly distributed. All of the stones are white, black, or red. A combination of these three stone colors are very rare in bedrock. Here's Plato and the name of his Atlas's younger twin brother, Gadrios, who had for his portion the extremity of the island near the pillars of Heracles, up to the part of the country which is now called Gadria, after the name of that region. Hubner notes that we should be looking for a region named after Gadrios. Up until this point, we pointed to Cadiz, Spain, which was formerly called Gades. Hubner offers another location in Africa off the coast of the Atlantic Ocean, I guess that after twenty seven episodes I can finally let the cattle of the bag and say that my theory of the Atlantic City is very close to Hubner's Gadriosis City. So when I read this report for the first time I actually had goosebumps all over my body. Here's Hubner. Today's Adgadir is fast growing town with 670,000 inhabitants located at the Atlantic Ocean north of the Susmesa Mesa Plain. Since masculine substance begin in Tazamazite, with an affix A-I-or-U in the name of the town, A-Gadir, and the Hellenized Gadrios have the same meaning, the Gadir. The Tamazite word Gadir derives etymologically from the Semitic G-D-R, which means wall, fortification, enclosure, and sheepfold, and, as a new hypothesis, also island in a figurative sense. The meaning of enclosure sheepfold corresponds to the Greek translation of the name Gadrios, which is called Emulos, meaning rich in sheep. Also, the town Cadiz, which is Phoenician, Gadriel, Greek, Gadria, and its surrounded area could have been Plato's Gadria. Cadiz is said to be founded by the Phoenicians, or by Heracles, Melkart. The Seuss Mesa Plain, viewed from the eastern Mediterranean, is located beyond the Pillars of Heracles, the name in antiquity for the promontories that flank the entrance to the Strait of Gibraltar at the Atlantic Ocean. From an eastern Mediterranean perspective, it is also located beyond Cape Gehir, which was called Heraclius Promontorium, or Cape Hercules, in antiquity, by Ptolemy and beyond the Atlas Mountains, which were called Pillars of Heaven. Plato's description in a narrative style reminiscent of a periplus applies very well to the circumstances found in Situ. From the perspective of a ship sailing down the Atlantic coast, the region rises out of the sea, reaching a great height at Cape Gehir, where the high Atlas meets the Atlantic Ocean. The Mesa Plain lies south of Cape Cahir, surrounded by the high atlas to the north and the anti-atlas to the east and the south. Because of the richness of flora and fauna, Atlantis must have either been a Mediterranean subtropical or tropical climate. Crops cultivated in the West Africa today include olive, pistachio, date palm, almond, cactus, pear, citrus, mulberry, walnut, fig, grape, wheat, barley, pepper, artichoke, argon, and various legumes. Most of these are native to West Africa and have been cultivated since at least ancient times. Finally, Huebner quotes another Greek author from the 2nd century CE called Maximus of Tyre who states, quote, the Hesperian Libyans inhabit a long narrow strip of land surrounded by the sea. The extremity of this peninsula, the ocean, envelops with heavy waves and currents. To these men, Atlas is a temple and a statue, but Atlas is a hollow mountain of a great altitude, open to the sea like theaters to the air, and in the middle of the region of the mountain, And the sea, there is a deep valley, fertile and well-planted with trees. In this valley, you may see fruits hanging on the trees, which, when surveyed from the summit, appear to be as if it were at the bottom of a well. But it is neither possible to descend onto it for its precipice, nor lawful. The prodigy in this place is the ocean, which inundates the shore, and not only pours on the plains but crowns atlas itself with its waves. You may also see the water rising by itself like a wall, and neither flowing into the hollow spaces nor supported by the land. But between the mountain and the water there is much air and a hollow grove. This is the temple and the deity, the oath and the statue of the Libyans. Hubner ends his paper with the following conclusion. Using a hierarchical constraint satisfaction scheme for the analysis of Plato's account of Atlantis and other sources leads us to the following hypothesis. The Seuss Mesa Plain was the core region of Plato's island Atlantis. This is confirmed by the following facts that a) all global indications apply to the Seuss Mesa Plain, whereas areas outside the Seuss Mesa Plain are supported only by some of the global indications. All regional indications apply to the Seuss Mesa Plain except for the trench that is parallel to the shore. Indications derived from other sources, such as Greek mythology, also apply and lead to the most plausible and interesting insights, such as the Argon tree, which is endemic to the Sus Mesa Plain. This could be the golden apples of the Hesperides. Diodorus and Plato's accounts seem to point to the same area, the Sus Mesa Plain. Ptolemy mentioned many locations south of Pi Atlas. Some of these locations have Greek names. These names indicate a certain importance of these locations for the ancient Greeks. Thank you so much for continuing to listen. Your support means everything to me. If you want to help make this podcast grow, please subscribe and tell just one other person about this podcast today. We are each your own hero in this story we call life. That means one person has the power to change everything. Who is the one person you tell today, Hero? Let's help keep Atlantis alive, or at least reimagined. A new episode will be released every Thursday at 9pm. See you then. Wait, are you still here? Thank you, it's appreciated. Here's a clip for next week's episode. Plato's tale tells of the existence of at least three major nations before the destruction of Atlantis, Egypt, Athens, and Atlantis itself. There is no archaeological evidence to indicate anything other than Neolithic cultures existing in Egypt or Athens around 9,500 BCE. The current accepted date for the beginning of the Egyptian civilization is circa 3100 BCE. and also for the existence of primitive culture around Athens at or about the same time. This would parallel the time of the Western European megalithic builders. It is worth noting that researchers who support the 9600 BCE date for the war between Atlantis and Athens cannot explain how this took place a millennia before there were any such structured societies in Greece or in Egypt.